and we are live for our first podcast, the Battle of Ontario, with myself, Chris, and Andre. Tell the world who you are. What's going on, everybody? So, yeah, this um, this was a long time in the making. Chris and I met each other uh, working together. Um, we no longer work together, but uh, we've still kept up constant communication. Um, just thinking back pretty much the entire time we worked together, we would have small chats at the, the side of our desk where we're talking about the Leafs, we're talking about the Sens, talking about the NHL just kind of in general. And uh, and we figured what what better time than now to, to get something going as far as a podcast goes you know, shoot the, shoot the, you know, what, um, talk about everything going on in the NHL aside from the teams that, uh, that we're going to be focusing on here, but obviously we're going to get into, into some pretty good detail about the, about the Leafs and the Sens. So, um, just a little intro for me. Um, I started being a Sens fan kind of ever since I can remember. Um, my dad, uh, really kind of raised me up to be a Sens fan. He was a Leafs fan for a while. Uh, when the Sens came into the league, one of his buddies kind of reached out to him and said, uh, why don't we go check out um, check out Ottawa and see what's going on there? They were just building the uh, the new arena at the time. Um, I believe it was the Corral Center at the time. Um, so yeah, he uh, he jumped on the bandwagon pretty early and I've been uh, I've been a Sens fan ever since I was kind of born into it. so um, perfect fit. Awesome. yeah. I think you touched on two points there. Um which I want to touch on about our introduction is first off uh, our conversations around the desk uh, could be a reason why we don't work together anymore. Um, <laughs> long story, <laughs> long story short, Andre still works there. I however do not, but um, beside from that, yeah, I think it would go on from uh, you and I just having those conversations about, you know, what we like about each other's teams, what we dislike about other, other teams. And, um, like you said, this was a process in the making and, you know, we've been, we've talked about it. I think I've bugged you more about it than, than anything, but really what I think capped it off is obviously what we saw between the Leafs and Sens in their, in their last meeting. Um, for myself, uh, just kind of my backstory, I've been, uh, I consider myself a Toronto sports fan. So any team really out of Toronto, just being local has been kind of my, my fandom, um, so growing up a Sens fan, you know, or not growing up a Sens fan, growing up a Leafs fan, um, for me, it's just, Welcome been, aboard. Yeah. <laughs> you know what? I've spent so much time on Twitter lately, um, and looking at Ottawa stuff that it's just filling my feed with Ottawa stuff that I did not ask for, but man, we have infiltrated. Yeah. But Sens Twitter is a, a different breed too, man. I, uh, we can get into that obviously. Uh, and probably we will, um, very extently on this podcast, but for me, it's been um, just going back to being a Leafs fan. I've always been a goalie guy as well. Um, you know, I've and I may be one of the only five people in the world that have it, but you know, I've got a a Leafs Jonas Gustafsson jersey to put kind of uh, my spectrum in. And, you know, I came in watching Cujo and and Belfour, and I remember I think I was in grade five. I tried to convince a, an art kid to do a Belfort mural in my bedroom um <laughs> never end up happening my mom would not approve but uh always been a Leaf fan I think uh I think my first hamster was like Belfort or something like that like it's just it's always been there so um 
now we got brick wall but you know it's um yeah it's just ever ever since oh god that would have been 20 years now i've been uh, i've been nothing but a steady leaf fan and even more and more i think uh it's i think now's no better time than ever with you know sends on the rise you know every year is going to be their playoff year but you know we haven't seen that just yet but on paper they always look good but we'll obviously cover off more and more as we continue through this podcast and through this journey and see where it goes and discuss really how you know our two teams are really going to rival here um you know going into as the Sens get bigger and and see what the Leafs do new management and such so I think this will be exciting yeah goalie friendly show for sure um you know Chris is a big goalie guy he's got Johnny Bauer up in the top right corner over there I'm a former goalie I, uh, I just play one on Tuesday nights in my, uh, in my men's league now, um, kind of play a little pretend still. Um, but yeah, as far as goaltending goes, I'm looking at a, uh, a six, three lead for Washington over the Ottawa senators, uh, six goals on 16 shots. I think we have a lot to talk about as far as, uh, goaltending woes go for the Sens. So no shortage of content when it comes to the goalies. All right. So before we get, obviously, the Sens are playing right now. Um, as we're recording this, before we get into that, let's kind of let's kind of maybe do a year in recap to see kind of how we got to this point um, in the season. So uh, why don't I? T- I'll start it off. So obviously, um, a lot of change in the off season. We lost. We lost, but we had a change in, uh, in general manager Kyle Dubas out. Uh, Brad Tree living in. He's come in. He's put in some new faces on the team: Bertuzzi, Domi, um, Reeves on, the, um, as well as Klingberg on the back end. And really, what we've seen, you know, call it the first, you know, 40 games, things weren't looking so hot. But you know, as have come on late, Leafs are on a seven-game winning streak. It's it's kind of changed the tide a bit. But you know, that's kind of where we're at in terms of this point of the season is. You know, we've been able to claw our way back. We're now, um, I think, just a few points behind um, Boston, who's who's stumbling a bit with a few games in hand. Um, Florida's uh, right there within graphs as well. So we'll see definitely where we can go from here. Um, trade deadline's just around the corner. Who knows what they're going to do? I think, speaking from Leafs Twitter, it looks like everyone's clamoring for a right-hand D. They won't shut up about Tanev. I'm over Tanev. I, we've heard that conversation going on from from the get-go, um, but we can dive deeper into kind of trade deadline stuff when we get there um, in the show or obviously in future shows. But um, yeah, it's uh, that's kind of where we're at in terms of of the season. Um, still playoff expectations, but um, I don't know. We've won one round. I, you know, <laughs> we've made it to the second. Let's let's hope we can push past that. But who knows? We we had Sammy on the. I'm ropes. not going to go there. <laughs> we had we had Sammy on the fence for oh god, we thought he was washed. Then Walls heard, and then our defense. You know, we got Klingberg, and he looks like crap. And it's just it was it was a I would call it a um, emotionally exhausting kind of first few first few months of of the leaf season but we've definitely turned around where it's like okay we feel like we're back now i feel like we're back to playoff contention leafs how far playoff contention leafs we'll see we'll see how the trade deadline goes i realistically think they're one defenseman away from probably solidifying more of a team but um 
we'll see how that goes in the next couple of weeks for sure. I think March 8th is the trade deadline. So, um, what about you? What's your uh, what's your year to make so far? What's your year in review? I was going to say, if you feel like you've been tormented this year, I don't know what adjective you would use to describe um, how I'm feeling about the Sen season because it's uh, it's been quite the uh, quite the roller coaster. So I think when we're looking at a recap in terms of kind of where things stand right now with the Sens, I think there's really t- probably two to three kind of things that really stick out for me that, that happened this year. So the first one obviously being over – um, pretty much the entire off season, the headlines were really dominated by the sale. Um, so there, the Sens were up for sale after uh, the passing of of their former owner Eugene Melnick. Um, and once the team went up for sale, I mean, there were all kinds of rumors floating around about who was going to be the eventual buyer. Uh, everybody was thrown in the ring from Ryan Reynolds to Snoop Dogg. Um, it was just a, a complete, a complete roller coaster as far as um just what i was thinking as far as what's going to happen with the team what type of direction is it going to go based on the ownership and i think as far as uh the candidates that that were available to them i think the ann lauer group really seemed to be the most stable kind of out of the gates which had me feeling really good going into this season because um i mean if you've taken a look at past ownership and and how the team's been run from the early 2000s up to this point stability is probably not a word that uh that sticks out to me or a word that i would use to describe it so um having somebody come in uh even if they're going to be a little bit more boring uh reserved on the outside i think that was something that a lot of a lot of people were looking for um but i mean the the season got off to a pretty good start they had a pretty good win in home opener but after that it just the train really came off the rails. Um, there were five or th- two or three, I want to say it was two um, separate five game road trips where they went completely without a win. Um, so that brings me to my next kind of key milestone for this year, which was the firing of Pierre, uh, Pierre Dorian. So uh, we all know what happened there. Um the mishandling of the no move clause with Evgeny Dadanov, uh, when the Vegas Golden Knights were looking to trade him to Anaheim. Uh, apparently there was not the, uh, the due diligence process that was supposed to be followed by Pierre Dorian and his, uh, his staff was not followed. Um, and as a result, the Sens end up losing a, uh, a first round pick. Uh, Ann Lauer came out and pretty much, try to wipe his hands clean in front of the media and say, look, I had nothing to do with this. This was before I took ownership of the team, but the NHL said, look, this happened uh, based on uh, the fault of somebody within your organization. So as a result, uh, we're going to need to punish them. So with that, I think that was kind of the last straw for Pierre Dorian and and they end up, uh, they end up moving on. So, and Lauer comes in with the promise of stability. We've already got our uh, our general manager down, looking to kind of stabilize things. Uh, they go into the season, or they continue their season with uh, with DJ Smith. Um, they come out, they say that they're going to stand by him as head coach. And uh, after a six to two loss in Vegas, that I was uh, fortunate enough to be a uh, a spectator of. They relieve DJ Smith of his duties and bring in Jacques Martin as head coach and Daniel Alfredson as assistant um, in replacement for uh, for Davis Payne 
um, as the assistant coach there. And, uh, and they start a new chapter in terms of their coaching staff. So that kind of brings us to, uh, to where we're at today. Um, after the, uh, the hiring of Jacques Martin, they, uh, they did continue to lose quite a little bit, but things are looking to stabilize now. He's, uh, He's gotten them to buy in a little bit more on uh, on the defensive side of the puck and um, play away from the puck has really been a big focus for them. So I think they're getting a little bit more detail oriented. Um, DJ Smith, at least from my my viewpoint, seemed to let them get away with a little bit too much. So um, I think we're on the right track as far as being able to rein in some of those young guys and get them some experience with uh, with how the game's played the right way. Um, so yeah, that kind of brings us to, uh, to where we're at right now. Um, lots of change, uh, given the promise of stability. So really as far as what the rest of the season holds, I have no idea. This team, when you think they're going to go right, they go left. Um, if I were to, to throw out any sort of expectations or, um, or anything like that, I think I'd be doing myself a disservice because it's probably just going to end up being wrong anyway. So I I think um, first off that's a great recap I think of the season. There's so much I actually I forgot that you know this season is so long. Like yeah they they were just recently bought. You had um, obviously yeah the firing of Dorian. I forgot about the whole Evgeny Dadanov situation um, at the beginning of the year. Um, it's funny that uh, obviously after the six two game to Vegas that they lost because it was after Vegas I believe um, when Nick Batan got robbed by. Mark Andre Fleury that um, Mike Babcock got fired. So uh, I think Vegas is the coach killer um, for other teams uh, in terms of uh, a measuring stick game. But a um, uh, little side note, I think I saw today that now that since DJ Smith has been the assistant coach with LA, they're like six and two in their last eight. So <laughs> <laughs> I think, I think to your, yeah, point, they, uh, and I think they started out with two losses right out of the gate. So he's probably on a six game heater right about now. Yeah. They, um, he's definitely the verdict. It sounds like around the league is like, he's definitely a people guy. Um, like the, the least players loved him on the team, but, He's not that, you know, authoritarian where he's like going to put you in their place. He's not going to be hard on the players. And yeah, you let, you know, you let the mice play. It's it's what's going to happen. So it's nice to see the play with structure. There was obviously, you know, I think we both saw it like on, on Twitter there that it was Twitter X. I don't, whatever you want to call it. I still call it Twitter because technically the URL it's is Twitter. Twitter. It's Twitter. The URL is still Twitter.com. That's the logo has changed. Anyways, what are we doing? Yeah, I digress. Um, <laughs> but, but ultimately it was like, they have to go 18, six and two or six and three and to get to 92 points to make the playoffs. And some send fans obviously, you know, think it could be done and, you know, you're talking what a 66 per percent, uh, like win percentage from the point on, so or points percentage. So it's it's not a realm of possibility. It's just that's pretty much what the top teams are playing at. So you'd have to completely turn it around, and it and would if, take a crazy run. Yeah, yeah, and and I think I think with the goaltending issue that they they have, like I I I I think you and I both agreed when we talked about this at the time. I, we don't know if. Corpusalo was going to be the answer. It seems like, um, well, I think from a perspective of the goaltending woes in Ottawa as a whole being, 
you know, who they've moved on from in the years with Robin Leonard. Gustafson looked like he was going to be a stud after what he was doing with Minnesota last year. This year, not so much. Um, just a lot of goaltending talent moving through there. It was kind of like, okay, what's, you know, what's going to be of Ottawa's goaltending situation? And they went and signed Corp Salo and hasn't really been there. Um, you know, Forsberg coming back off of his ACL. Was it ACL tears? I believe it was, I don't know if it was ACL or MCL, but I know that he tore something in both of his knees. Yeah. So important for goalies to have their knees intact. Yes, you would know. So it, it's it's definitely like one of those things where, you know, you, you go in with the situation, um, you know, you and I have been to a few Belleville Senators games, you know, we've seen Mandalese play and, and the p- potential of him there as well. And it, it just seems like with his opportunities, there wasn't, um, anything for the taking there. It's just, I think I was even doing a deep, like I was saying at the top of the show is like, I'm getting so <laughs> entranced with Sen stuff because of this podcast that we decided to do. But it's, it's the fact that, um, they're giving up, uh, equal high danger chances to teams like Colorado. And they're, so they're keeping them in that realm. The thing is, is they're just not getting the saves at the end of the day in those spots. I think high no. danger, high danger chances and medium danger chances were the exact same. Um, yet the, uh, the result was different. So it's just, it's, it's one of those things where unfortunately it seems like, yes, they are letting teams get into that area. Um, which Jacques Martin is hoping to, to close down because they know they can't have the goaltending. I think it's, I think it's when you don't have that stability, you need to come back and play a little more defensively. And that was something that wasn't there from the, I would say, the DJ Smith crew. Yeah, and it's interesting that you bring up the stat about uh, high and medium danger chances kind of being on par with some of the better teams in the league, like Colorado, where um, you look at a guy like Cam Talbot, who went from Ottawa, did not do well, um, they decided not to re-sign him uh, after last season. He goes on and uh, and signs a one-year deal with L.A. And, I mean, right out of the gate, you see how well he performed uh, kind of behind Tampa, or, uh, L.A.'s back end, where if, if you, you're trying to use one word to describe the defense of L.A., it's just stability. You know what you're going to be getting. They're forcing shots to the outside. You're seeing it through traffic. Like, you're seeing the shots the whole way. It just makes it so much easier from a, a goalie's perspective to understand what you're going to be getting shot volume wise. And uh, it just allows you to anticipate it that much more. And we saw that at the beginning of the season with Cam Talbot. Um, but yeah, now that you bring that up, it kind of throws all that into question where it's like if Ottawa is defending and uh, giving up the same rate of high danger chances that uh, some of these other big dogs are, are giving up, then like you said, it just comes down to them not getting the timely saves when they need them. And I mean, you can probably go through of the of the fifty some odd games that they've played this year. I can think of at least twenty five games where there's just evidence of that one backbreaking save where you go, "All right, this is over. Just pack it up. It's done." Yeah, and in a situation like that, it's it's kind of soul crushing from a team where it's like it's like a routine play. It's something that just needs to be like um, it needs to be handled and it's unfortunate when a goalie and you know, that's a goalie's the downfall of being a goalie is you can do something so little. Like if a, if a forward, you know, hits a post or shoots it wide, it's like, it's no big deal. 
Um, but it's like one goal on a goalie is detrimental. It's like to be perfect um, is really the only thing that's that's good. So it's yeah, it's so tough. Like it's it's deflating to a team, especially depending on when it is um, early on in the period after like after a crucial goal or you're down and you've you've been fighting the whole time and it's one play back the other way and then all of a sudden it's like you've been dominating for 10 minutes it's one play back the other day which is a simple play and then all of a sudden it's like are you kidding me um yeah it's just yeah the one example that i can really kind of think back on is um or at least the one that has consistently happened with the sends this year is they'll get a goal and then maybe 20 seconds later they give one give one up that's really soft and it's just all the momentum has just been zapped out of the building especially if it's a home game like you can feel the energy just gone mm. yeah that's that's unfortunate when it is I, it happened in toronto too um there's not much energy in the building in the first place i think we all know that um but it's it's one of those things yeah it can just be you know you see it in sports everywhere where it's like you know just those detrimental plays that just really kill the 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 vibe with within the within the on the bench within the locker room and, and just sucks the air out of the stadium. Um, so I, I think like, obviously, so we've done kind of our recaps of the, of the season and, um, and everything I think from, and just for the listeners, um, in terms of how our show structure is going to be, we never really touched on that, but our focus is, is, you know, unfortunately we don't have any more games between, uh, the Sens and, and the Leafs this year. So we can't really, rib each other too much on it um i'm sure there will always no, be something in 2024-2025 season um as per mark mathot will probably put out at some point uh saying the ottawa senators are a lock for the playoffs this year i don't know when he'll put that out <laughs> i'm sure he'll put it out he was already tweeting about claude Giroux being on the 2026 uh team canada roster uh, Marner, hit the yeah. bricks. Marner, <laughs> prime twenty-eight. Marner, get out of here. I want. Don't need him. I, I want Don't on my him. fourth line, thirty-eight-year-old Claude Giroux <laughs> <laughs> to play against the world's. Uh, okay, yeah, sure, that'll happen. Um, but it, yeah, I will definitely have uh, huge opportunities probably throughout the season as Leafs get kicked from the first round or make a bad trade deadline. Um, or when the Sens inevitably don't make the playoffs, which is <laughs> pretty well there at this point. Um, You're going to say get relegated. <laughs> I, you know what? There's a few teams that should just be relegated just for the sake of being relegated. I'm looking at you, Arizona. Um, but in in terms of um, yeah, this podcast, what we're going to be doing is we're going to be doing weekly episodes uh, recorded Monday night. Um, that's what time works best for us. We're going to do recaps, uh, both on, uh, on the week, but as well as also what's going on in the NHL for, so recaps of our teams, recaps of the NHL, and then just other stuff we want to talk about other topics like, um, what else we see in the, in the hockey landscape, um, future stuff and anything else. Uh, our podcast will be, uh, actually streamed on Twitch, uh, doing a live recording. So hop on. Come get engaged, uh, send us a comment, tell us you hate us, tell us you're a fan of, I don't know, another team will tell you you suck. 
uh, or ask a question. We'll we'll definitely <laughs> we'll, de we'll definitely uh, try to answer any questions we can or hit us up on Twitter as well. That's where we'll be active. Yeah, please, please throw us questions. Yeah, we love that. Yeah, well, um, if you don't care about our opinion, no one asked you. Uh, <laughs> um, but aside from that, yeah. So obviously, you know. We're at where we're at in the season right now. Um, Leafs are wrapping up the seven-game thing. Um, do you have a score update? Are you still down 6-3? Is the game over yet? Where are we at? Still down 6-3. Um, so Washington, uh, looks like there's about 30 seconds left. They've gotten four shots in the third period. So it looks like uh, Ottawa tightened things up right in time uh, to not be in time. So <laughs> right on schedule. <laughs> Just like everything in Ottawa, right? Yeah, exactly. Government workers. Um, <laughs> yeah, you know. <laughs> Government timelines. Yeah. All Monday's right, so a travel day, Chris. Monday's <laughs> a travel day. All right. So as we look at then the rest of the season, um, let's look at the rest of the season, I guess, for our teams. Um, we've got trade deadline coming up, and I was seeing some juicy stuff for Ottawa. I, were you seeing the same stuff on your end? Do you say uh, juicy stuff? I said juicy stuff. There you go. So that's that's a perfect lead into uh, probably my biggest uh, Christmas wish list. Uh, Christmas in February, uh, if you could be so sweet and deliver me one UC Saros, I would be eternally grateful um, because whatever we have right now it clearly is not working. Um, I don't know what it would take to pry UC Saros out of Nashville, especially considering the fact that they uh, they are on a five-game heater right now. Um, ever since that game against Dallas at home that they got that work 9-2 uh, to two, and they canceled uh, their trip to the Sphere in Vegas, um, Nashville's been on a huge roll. Um, if I look it up now, I think they're in a wild-card spot. Um, I was looking at it today. So they the last wild-card spot, yeah. So I don't think there's really any chance that uh, Trotz thinks about moving on from Saros because, I mean, just think about what that does to the guys in the room where you're fighting for your lives uh, for a wild card spot and you're just going to go and trade away your your bona fide number one starting goalie. I mean, it's not like really Ottawa has anything to offer them in terms of being able to provide a stopgap. Um, realistically, it's going to come down to parting ways with one of their their top high-end players, if not... Uh, some prospects and a pick. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if all three of those things were involved in a trade, um, but you're definitely not going to be getting back anything that you're giving up in terms of goaltending. Uh, Kevin Lankinen, I mean, he's been good, but with Saros, the workhorse that he is, he's playing 55 plus games a year. Lankinen's going from playing in 25 games to suddenly being a number one starter in the NHL. I just don't see it as a fit. So while it's something that I would really like to have, um, I just don't see how the Sens are able to get it done, number one, and why Nashville would even entertain it at this point in the season, given where they're at. Yeah, it, it feels like, while it seems, um, it seems like a great thing for Ottawa to do, because it does feel like one of the, the big missing pieces for them. Um, and I think they have, 
they have what it takes to they have the pieces to get that because it sounds like too they're they are looking at parting ways with some of those other guys like it sounds like Josh Norris was rumored around there's like a little ru- slight rumor which I don't I don't know why you would ever trade a player like Brady Kachuk away unless he requested a trade. That was, I saw, floating around as well. Um, but it feels like more because they have, like you said, turned it on. It feels like an off-season move um, where it's like, okay, we're at a point now. We gave the guys the run um, and that they played well after we canceled this fear trip, which I also kind of feel like the, maybe the multi-million dollar athletes like Duchesne should probably send because I think I think they end – you two at the sphere like on like march 3rd or something i heard like it's relatively soon but it's soon for sure you should like send like because your staff was supposed to go to that and you like because you dogged it on the ice your staff now can't go see like a -a one-on-a-lifetime show like maybe matt duchene you should focus on playing hockey and showing effort versus going playing country music but maybe actually i don't know if uh i don't know if you remember this but Matt Duchesne was traded to the Dallas Stars, who were the ones who smashed the Predators that night. He had two goals and then went on to perform at Tootsie's with his uh, with his guitar. So quite a night for Matt Duchesne. Yeah, like, but dude, repay your guys. Be like, hey, we screwed up. You guys go see the show <laughs> on us. Like, you got multi-million dollar players. Anyways, that UC Soros trade feels like if that's something they want to do, because they do have Askarov down with the Admirals is if that's something you want to do that feels because that feels like an off-season move uh <laughs> only because only because right now they are pushing so hard it would be crazy for them to trade sorrows at the deadline um and then uh kind of falter and, and not reward their guys for kind of the hard push after the the canceling of the trip um that would answer one question. Yeah, if Nashville's going to move on from a goalie, sorry to cut you off there, yep. but I think if Nashville's going to move on from a goalie, I could see them moving on from Lankin. Um, like you said, that's probably going to be an off-season move for them. I really do see them starting out the season with um, with Saros and uh, and Askarov, which I think when you look at that as, as a goalie tandem, that's pretty solid. Like He's been on an absolute roll in the AHL. I'd really like to see what he's going to do in the NHL. Um, I, to be honest with you, I just want to see him get a shutout and do that, uh, that, uh, bench press <laughs> celebration with the goal. I just think that's so funny. Um, and I can only imagine the amount of fan bases that's going to piss off when he eventually does it in the NHL. So, um, I definitely do see them starting out the season next year, uh, with a Sar- uh, Saros, a combo. Um, because I definitely think that, that Saros is going to resign there. Um, they know what kind of value he provides. He's, I mean, I'm, I'm definitely partial to, uh, to a guy like Saros being the only goalie in the NHL that's under six feet. But, um, the fact that he's so good, he's so calm, he's so poised in the net. Um, I think any team would be, would be lucky to have a goalie like that. Yeah. I, I think, I think for Nashville, I've on the Leafs end, there's been talks about, um, uh, Trennan as well as also from the forward group, which I don't know where a forward fits. I, I kind of like our forward makeup, especially once uh, Callie Arncroft comes back and maybe slot mm. I can see him slotting on the fourth line with um, Holmberg and Camp. and just kind of gives you what, you know, Mikheyev, Engvall, and Camp used to be on our on our third line. Um, so I don't know where another forward comes in, but there was talks of Fabro and, and Carrier out of, 
out of Nashville as well. So it'd be interesting to see where Nashville plays in because, like, like we said, they're currently in the wild card spot. Um, but for just going back to Ottawa, then you know, uh, there, we saw the talks of the of the UC trade on Twitter and all that. But obviously, we know they're they're so far out. Are they selling? You think they're selling? You know, is Tarasenko going to be gone? He's only on the one-year deal, but it, uh, we've heard that he kind of wants to maybe sign an extension there. But it's like, do you do you trade him and hope to sign him back? What's what's your thought? Yeah, with Tarasenko, the ch- the really tough challenge here is the fact that he's got a no-move clause. So really anything that you want to do is going to be predicated on him agreeing to it. Um, I do think, like you were saying, uh, he does want to stay in Ottawa. Um, he's been great for them. Uh, you know, on that third line with Shane Pinto, um, they've really been catching a little bit of fire in a in a bottle recently. So I think Tarasenko is a, a guy that you definitely want to look to re-sign if you have the opportunity to. But uh, given where they're at in the standings, I don't see why you don't uh, try to dangle him out there and see what teams are going to offer you to to take him. I saw a, uh, a mock trade the other day that I don't know if necessarily Vegas would agree to something like this, but um, there were some people floating around uh, the idea of a, a guy like Brendan Brisson being somebody that you'd get back if you were to, to go down that avenue of trading Tarasenko to the Golden Knights. Um, now I don't think you really try to do any favors for the golden Knights given, uh, that first round pick that they stole from us. Uh, so, I mean, that's, that's probably something that I would probably leave alone, but, um, if the opportunity presents itself to get a solid player back like that, I don't see why you don't do it. And Tarasenko can provide so much to a team that's on the outside looking in. Um, if you need some depth scoring, Having Vladdy on uh, on your third line on a good team, that's going to be a, a solid asset for any team that's looking to make a deep cup run. He's already a Stanley Cup winner, um, and I mean, we've seen what he's been able to do with a, uh, from this year, pretty mediocre Ottawa team. So I think it's definitely an attractive option that a lot of teams are going to be looking into. So what's your, what's your thought on, um, obviously, full cap hit? What are you thinking of return? Like, are you... I guess it's it's interesting with Ottawa's position because um, you know looking at their roster, a lot of their main core is twenty five and under, um, mm-hmm. right? So it's it's like, do you when do you start looking for now wins versus future wins? Like, are you thinking prospects? Are you thinking picks? Are you thinking? No, I think you have to go the opposite way. Um, I mean, you look at a team like Detroit who. Really, realistically, at the beginning of the season, Ottawa and Detroit were kind of neck and neck in terms of what people were expecting out of them. Mm-hmm. Um, Ottawa went the direction of, all right, we're gonna we're gonna add a couple experienced veteran guys uh, like Claude Giroux. We're gonna go out. We're gonna get Tarasenko. Um, but Detroit kind of went the other way, and they went, all right, well, we're gonna go get some experience. We're gonna get Ben Sherratt. We're gonna get Andrew Kopp. And look at what they're doing. They get Patty Kane, all guys that have some veteran leadership. Um, and look at what Detroit's doing. They're, as it stands right now, they currently occupy uh, a wild card spot, number one wild card spot. Uh, they're two games back of uh, where am I looking? Uh, looks like they're two game, two wins back of the Leafs for that final spot in the Atlantic Division. So um, Detroit is pretty much right where Ottawa wanted to be at this stage of the season 
um, mm-hmm. on the inside, uh, really trying to divide for a spot within that Atlantic division. But I mean, if anybody were to tell us that at the February 26th mark that the Sens would be in a wild card spot, I think you'd take that in a heartbeat. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think kind of leaning into that veteran experience kind of paid off dividends for Detroit where um, you've seen where it's been able to take them and what kind of going young has has kind of cost the Senators in terms of uh, the fact that now they sit currently, I think it's in 25th place, um, 26th actually. They are uh, five points back of Buffalo for 25th in the league. Um, So second worst in the Atlantic division, even behind the lowly Buffalo Sabres who have also underperformed. So not a great season, not a great season. Yeah, so I, I think for you guys then, and you can totally, I find if you're going to trade Tarasenko, because I think him, I, obviously we have you have Kubalik as well um, as a trade option. I don't option. think you can give him away right now. Um, that was that was one out of that Detroit trade. It was Detroit, right? Or Chicago? Yeah, it was Detroit for Dabrinkit. Yeah, that's one where I was like, man, this guy could be like a solid third liner, give you 40 points, 30, 40 yeah, points. Yeah, that's, that's what I was thinking too. And what does he have, like 12, 12 points, not even? Like he's pretty, it's been pretty abysmal season for him. Yeah, he, let me just look this up right now. Um, yeah, right now on the season, he has... 12 points in 51 games, Yeah, nine goals and three assists. Uh, Yeah. Not, not ideal. He's a negative 21. Wow. That's like, you see a guy like Shane Pinto come back from his suspension and he's been on fire. um, Which we didn't even talk about taken. We didn't even talk about a 41 game suspension when we talked about all the, the rockiness in terms of the season for the Sens. So, yeah. Yeah, so like just looking at trade, like I, I think you, you trade Tarasenko to a contender, um, maybe retain salary or something because it obviously is just the one year. I'm not sure how the Anlauer kind of Steos team will will be on in terms of retained salary, but I can't see I can't see where you get a guy to help you because it always feels like deadlines are picks, like you're getting picks or prospects. Um, in yeah, terms of you're never getting an equal player in turn, no. Right, because they need that player, right? They're going for the run. Yeah, they're not going to subtract. Unless it's someone like, you know, uh, someone who's on a bloated contract for, at $5 million and you're doing a one-for-one swap, plus you're getting a pick, something like that. So I, I, I think that's where Steos needs to be creative in a sense where if he's getting a first back, what does he do or, you know, whatever with the Tarasenko deal – how is he then recycling that come, you know, trading at the draft, you know, either moving up to get uh, a solid player to help you guys now or to get another player from another team, you know, flip that for um, someone who may be looking for a change come that off season. So it'll be interesting to see what Ottawa does with those, you know, UFAs. Cause I think aside from changing the system defensive on paper, you guys, I, we talked about this earlier on, like you compare Ottawa's defense to Toronto's defense on paper. They look spectacular. I think how structurally our teams play are different where we are tighter defensively. Um, and we have good defensive forwards in a sense. I know 
you might not think Matthews or Marner and that, but, you know, they play penalty kill. They're great stick checkers, right? They're not grinding you, and, and they're not physical, but their defensive takeaways are um, are up there in the league. But you look at your back end, and it's, aside from, I feel like, Artem Zub, like, you don't have many defensive defensemen, right? Like, I've got, I have a, I have a crush. I want Zub. I want Zub to pl- fill my, my right D spot next to Morgan Riley. It's not going to happen. Yeah, but- the thoughts of Zub chance in uh, the Scotiabank Arena, that, that's enough to keep me up at night. Zub, I could just, I could just picture, like, as he little Bobby Lou esque chant, but that's where it's like, aside from the goaltending, like Eric branch from five ten, not really doing much offensive for um, focus, Jacob Chikrin, offensive focus, Jake Sanderson. Leading, leading the league in giveaways right now too. Yeah. Is Jacob Chikrin. Uh, Jake Sanderson, offensive focus, Thomas Shabbat, Thomas Shabbat gives me, you know, Morgan Riley vibes where it's like, more offense, but still, there's a good defensive impact there with Shabbat. But, Especially recently, he's been great on both end, both sides of the puck. But it's like, it's what what's really there is just like, you know, stay at home defense, defensive first. Travis Travis Hamonic, we saw today how that worked. <laughs> I've never seen someone so poorly on a two on one. Actually, I lie. I watched Justin Hall play a two on one before, so I've seen <laughs> I've seen similar stuff. Why that guy needs a no move clause? That's another. That's another question. But my defense in my men's league do a better job of cutting off the pass than Travis Hamonic did on that play, where he's like, "All right, I'm gonna let the goalie see the shot and block the pass, and not block the pass." He looked like he was getting deked out on when he, like he yeah. moved so much. He didn't just commit. It was just like a hoot, 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 hoot. <laughs> um, and it was just yeah, it's um. It was not pretty, but I think, yeah, I, obviously you guys are probably going to end up having to be sellers of the deadline. I don't get the whole moving Batherson, Norris. Like, those guys are on impeccable deals. Sends Twitter's got it. Batherson for sure. I think Nor- the Norris deal is a little bit more debatable. Um, what, what's his What's his deal? Maybe I'm mis- mistaken on here. I believe Josh Norris is currently signed to an 8 by 8 um no so i mean he does provide a lot of value in terms of offense but this year he has just been so streaky he went the entire month of january without uh without scoring a goal um and i mean when it comes to that eight million dollar salary you're paying josh norris to score goals he's got to be scoring at least every other game for you to be seeing the value in that contract just because i mean he does a little bit in terms of um uh like play away from the puck but not much i mean when he's providing value to his team it's by putting the puck in the net because he's got such a great shot and when he goes on those streaks where he's just invisible i mean that's where it really starts to hurt you in terms of the sends being up against the cap and not really getting much for it yeah i'm just looking at it here yeah 30 points in 48 games 16 goals um $8 $8 million feels like Matt Duchesne all over again, not going to say. Uh-huh. Yeah, and it's uh, it's one of those things, too, where he's had just that re-aggravated shoulder injury. It's just kept coming back. Um, so I don't know if maybe that has something to do with it. He's mm-hmm. been uh, really caught by the injury bug in the last little bit. Um, but, yeah, it's just one of those things where I think if you're looking in terms of uh, grading 
the contracts that the Sens currently have on their roster, that's probably not one that I would put near the top. Yeah, I, I thought for some reason I had it in my head he was he was much cheaper than that, but uh, maybe was that his last contract? Obviously, I think he was an ELC coming off of. Is this a new? No, this is the second year of the contract, isn't it? Sorry, I just... Yeah, so he came off his ELC um, when the Sens got him from San Jose. He just absolutely tore up the league. I think he had 40 goals uh, the year that he signed that contract. Pierre Dorian decides, you know what, this guy's worth it. I'm going to lock him up. And uh, yeah, it hasn't exactly um, been the greatest signing ever since. 35 goals. Now, don't get me wrong. I really like Norris. Um, he had a great game the other night against Vegas. Um but yeah, it's just one of those things where when he's on, he's looking great. But more often than not, he's uh, he's looking like a, a bit of a non-factor out there. Mm-hmm. And and he's definitely slotting into that second line role. So he, if at that price point, you need him to bring something to the game. Um, and it seems like yeah, to your point, he has not been uh, not been doing so. So that's definitely that's definitely a killer. Um, for you because that's if he's not performing up to eight million dollars that's like it's a it's going to be a hard contract one to move and two it can just you're yeah you're looking at a matt duchene situation all over again yeah a guy like that you are paying to score 40 goals a year Mm -hmm. and i mean he's not on track to to hit anywhere close to that uh this year so yeah, I mean it's it's one of those things where um, you take the gamble that uh, that this is going to be a guy who's going to outperform that contract, and mm-hmm. sometimes they hit. Like uh, when you look at a guy like Tim Stutzla, and sometimes they don't. Yeah, that's that's the risk. I think it's um, I think it's Elliot Freeman who has a saying: anytime you get a chance to lock up like a top player up, you know, long term, you do so. Um, so. He's still yeah. twenty. He's still twenty four. He could, he could turn it around in a heartbeat, and it could just be um, an off season where this is a year where it's like let's try to play some healthy hockey, you know, um, get a, get the groove back, and then kind of hit the off season hard and and really focus on working on sh- the shoulder, training that shoulder, get it back up to par, working on a shot again, um, and getting back back to where he used to be because yeah, that's if if that's turns into a black hole that's not going to be pretty long term for you guys batherson i would yeah agree that's a that's a splendid deal i take batherson in a heartbeat that is a slam dunk of a deal you if don't you guys, move that for anything if you guys need help on on second line center i We'll change you John Tavares for Drake Batherson if that's something that interests you. Yeah, all, all good there. Um, I guess that's, that's a perfect segue, though, um, in terms of – I got to ask you, what do you think the Leafs need uh, ahead of the trade deadline, number one? And number two, what do you think they do going into the offseason with uh, with kind of the core four? Willie Nylander getting signed this year um, along with that big Matthews contract kind of secures the – the, the fate of those two but what else do you think kind of happens around them and maybe with some of those other guys that are making the big bucks yeah like so the deadline i think i think we've seen it and this where we're leafs nation we we see these seven games and we're like locked in on what we've liked and that's a so i'll start 
from the net out. Samsonov's looked fine. He's back to where he kind of was. He's got his mind right. He's playing some good hockey. Um, we've got Joseph Wall coming back off uh, off injury. Um, so high ankle sprain, so we'll see how that plays out. He looked good in his one AHL game, working back into some games, and we'll see how that goes. Um, you know, yeah, Matt I'm Murray, really interested to see how he's moving post to post yeah. Um, just because, yeah, that's such a tough injury to come back from in terms of mobility. Yeah, and and I think with that too, it's you know, I I think the if he can stay healthy, and I think you have him. I think he's we just need for the rest of the year see what Sammy can kind of do and not damage what could be a a future goalie for us. Because after this year, he actually has two more years at only like a seven hundred sixty six k um cap hit. So it's like we're talking Logan Thompson esque, where it's like really cheap for what could be a 1A, 1B goalie. Um, which can save us, as to your point, we've got a lot of uh, a lot of big contracts renewing on, on the Leafs. So with that, you know, I think goalies were fine there. We've seen on the defensive side, we've got, you know, Simone Benoit with Jake McCabe, which has looked stellar in terms of a shutdown defense uh, line goes. Brody has switch back from his from playing the right side to playing his handed side and playing on the left with Timothy Lilgren. That's been looking great, uh, especially in the absence of Riley. They were actually um, they were getting some serious minutes, and Lilligren looked a lot better. Um, I think Jonas Siegel uh, from the Athletic had um, that when Lilligren actually plays a, a higher um, higher minutes in the game, he ends up uh, actually producing a lot better. Uh, for like expected goals and uh, and whatnot versus playing just that smaller role. He seems like it's like he's more engaged. So because he's more engaged because he has to be, he does better versus um, those lesser minutes. And then I think Riley with insert right-hand defenseman that I hope to God is like, I want Artem Zub, which won't happen. I want Adam Larson, which apparently today Larson's not on the block. Um <laughs> I'm tired of hearing about Chris Tanev. I don't think that's the type of guy. Um, I, I think that is the type of player like how Luke Shen was, a stable defenseman who um, who can cover back, who can limit zone entries, who can body people in front of the net. And at the end of the day, I, I don't care if he provides any offense. Morgan Riley out there with Mitch Marner and Austin Matthews will probably figure something out. I just want to make sure that they can keep the puck out of our net. And... That's ultimately the the puzzle piece that we need. When I look at the forward group, Nyes uh, Matthews Marner has looked fine, no issues there. I do like that they finally, and it's it's been, I've been clamoring for it for quite some time. Where they spread out the the talent um, a little bit more, and I think that stemmed from just really a point where John Tavares has kind of regressed to the point where like, hey, we need to put you on 3C. It's like, so now he's playing sheltered minutes. He's playing, he's getting probably more offensive zone starts, but he's playing alongside Robertson and Bobby McMahon, who's uh, really come on late. I think he has like, in his last four games, like 10 points. Um, and like nine of them are goals or something. Like, it's like the dude was on fire. Yeah, I love that line where you've got Tavares matching up against third line centers, taking offensive zone draws. Like that is that is exactly where you want a guy like John Tavares at this stage of his career. 
just playing the half wall, almost playing like a bubble hockey player where he's just feeding Robertson and McMahon. And mm-hmm. I mean, you've seen what, what it's been doing in the last seven games where they've just been on a roll. Yeah. And I think with it too, it's like, I've always been where they've stacked the top six. And this is what I haven't liked with Sheldon Keefe is they've, they've stacked the top six to the point where it's, you hone in and shut down the, those top two lines, you're then reliant on the bottom six to produce offense. And the Leafs' bottom six, because they have been so top-heavy, haven't had those players that are difference makers or enough of a difference makers on those bottom. So you're trying to find, you know, the the Nick Albake-Bells and, like, the Nick Batans and, and all of these scrap players to fill out the bottom six and produce offense. And realistically, they're, those type of guys aren't there to score those crucial moment goals or something. So Matthews and Marner get pressure on their line. Tavares and Nylander get pressure on their line. And it just, you, they get shut down. So that's where I finally like it, where it's like, okay, let's bring Tavares down, put him with, you know, not plugs, but two guys that maybe aren't as top talent, obviously, as Marner, as Nylander. You know, similar like how we used to play with in the Islanders, where it's like, we're giving you Matt Molson and Kyle Opozo, and that's who you're going to play with. And he's like, okay, great. I'm going to be a point-per-game player playing against tough competition. So now it's like, we're going to give you Nick Robertson, a small little shooter, and Bobby McMahon, a guy who's like a bulldog out there. And it's mm-hmm. like, he's like, okay, I'll make it work. And it's like, why didn't we just do this sooner, Keith? Like, that's that's been one of my frustrations with Keith. It's like, he throws the lines in the blender all the time, which, so he's willing to try stuff, but he's like, never willing to be like, mm, these two stars play with these two stars. Like, that's it. Like, nothing else, like, everything else can move around except that, and it drove me crazy. So I think we, the other thing that, um, sorry, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, and then the other thing was the second line, where it's, You've got uh, you've got Bertuzzi, Domi, and Nylander, which I've loved. I've loved seeing Domi and Bertuzzi play together because it's like those are the two like grind. Like you know, if you're gonna poke our goalie, we're gonna go at you, and it's just like the the no fu line. Um, that line I've I've just loved, and like I said, the the fourth line is just Holmberg, Camp, and then I think Yarnkrog comes back, and I have no issue with that line whatsoever. I think they are a good checking fourth line defensively responsible can take defensive draws and no issues i I, my my trade deadline a right that's it that's all we need go home yeah and i think kind of going back to where Tavares slots in and kind of why i like him on the third line so much um when you look at a team like edmonton i mean i'm not trying to compare the matthews line to to what mcdavid's got going on on the first line but with, when you have guys like Marner and Matthews that are just flying around the ice, you really need a centerman that's going to be able to keep up with them. And I just don't think Tavares really has it, where they're able to throw in somebody who's got that foot speed that's going to be able to keep up with them, give them outlet passes where they're going to be able to make moves to the net. And, uh, I mean, that's where where Matthews and, and Marner are going to be able to thrive is getting to those, those areas where if you're just playing the outside wall, you're going to have the D jamming up the middle of the ice kind of taking away all those slot passes to Matthews and Marner and you're not really going to be able to do much of anything. So I think being able to get somebody in there who's got a little bit more foot speed is just going to be able to make you that much more uh, offensive oriented and dangerous when it comes to that side of the puck. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's It's been something like Domi uh, giving Nylander kind of Domi and kind of getting someone with speed allows them to push more off the rush. Domi's a great passer as well. Um and then, um, yeah, like to to your point, like they don't have 
Tavares ne- has never had foot speed from his time in juniors. He's always been kind of on the slower side, um, but it's worked for him. So Robertson's not the best skater either. So they kind of they kind of move at the same pace out there. Uh, although Robertson, he looks like he moves, but he's a lot of effort, not a lot of speed. Um, so I I I don't think they need anyone in the forward group. There's like I said, there's there was a rumor out there that they were going to get Luke Kunin. Uh, along with Mario Ferrero from San Jose, um, which I yet again I don't know where this bottom six grittier kind of winger comes in. Like uh, Robertson was on pace for being like your top scoring winger until Bobby McMahon lit up. Meanwhile, you had Bertuzzi on the team and Nyes on on the first line getting chances. Yet Robertson was going to take that. So I don't know how you sit him. Holmberg has looked great with camp like they have a good chemistry going right now like i just don't know where one of these forwards slot in um especially like a depth forward you would just be adding like an extra stable piece but depending on how the trade grows you're still technically going to have gregor you're still going to have ryan reeves um and so if it was a top end in terms of a, a skilled player i wouldn't be adding a luke kunin or any of those guys anyways i'd be adding um you know seeing how the playoffs go I'd be curious as to how a junior player would be. You know, does a guy like Easton Cowan, who's just lighting up the O right now on a 26-game point streak uh, with the London Knights. Um, I think he... Team record. Yep. It's a team record. I think he's... I want to say the OHL record's like 31. So I think he's pushing for that, obviously. Um, But it's like, it's crazy. And if you look at the names of who have done who have put up those records, it's like all top NHL players to this day, like top nine, top six players in the NHL. So it's a little promising for, for Leafs fans. Now, every mock trade, apparently Easton Cowan's gone or Fraser Minton gone, plus a first, plus uh, Nick Robertson or Nyes. Or, it's like the dumbest situation ever because I tried to look at comparables today of defenseman trades, and it's been like your first, a decent um, prospect, like a... Uh, like a yeah, like a decent. If we're trading for a defender, it's a decent defender prospect to replace that player down the road. Plus, um, someone who's kind of like a B, we'll call it a B level prospect. But apparently for us, it's like a first plus your one of your top two prospects and a top nine player. Now it's like that makes no sense. Yeah, that's quite a price. Um, but as as we go into the off season, um, obviously we have a lot of. <laughs> We've Matthew's got a raise, Nealander got a big raise, um, so we'll have to see how that all pans out. Um, we've got T.J. Brody coming off the books. Um, Samsonov technically is kind of up in the air. Um, he, I think, because they went to arbitration, I believe he's a UFA, so they may not. They may go with just Wall and someone else get a million dollar backup, so their savings there. Um, the forward group, Bertuzzi and Domi, are only on one-year contracts, so I'm not sure how their next contracts are going to look. Maybe you just kind of keep it, see how it goes, and then if it worked in the playoffs, maybe Bertuzzi's a dud, Domi's a dud in the playoffs. They're typically playoff players, so I don't know how that will be. Um, but you'll have to see from there. But your time to trade one of those big four is gone. Um I think Kyle Dubas was probably, if he was the GM, was going to trade Mitch Marner in the offseason. Um, 
to shake up the up the group. I think that was the guy who made the most sense. You weren't going to trade Austin Matthews. William Nylander um, already had a no-movement clause. Um, Marners didn't kick in yet, and you weren't going to trade Tavares because it's a hard contract to move, and he's the captain of the team. So by the odd man out, it was probably going to be uh, Mitch Marner, who probably would have brought you the biggest haul. Um, I think, and I think we talked about this at one point, is ultimately once um, next year is going to be a little bit of a pain, but the year after that, Tavares' contract's up, as well as Mitch Marner's. So we'll see how what happens with Mitch Marner, but Tavares' contract is up. What's his contract? What's that next contract going to be? He's going to be, I think, 34. You know, does he sign, stay with the Leafs, sign for four years at $6 million per? Like, the guy's already made so much money off this, this last contract. Does he take a, a sweetheart home, home, deal, home deal discount? And, and we see him kind of in a much cheaper price range to kind of keep the train going. Um, I could see him doing that. Um, the other thing, too, is kombucha is not cheap. So, uh, <laughs> um, And the robot's got to eat. So <laughs> He's got a little bit of taxes to pay, too, from what I hear. Uh, hey, I've heard that the CRA just completely messed that up, that he won't have – he, he'll end up not having to pay it because it's like the way bonuses are. And realistically, if if technically he actually gets dinged on it, then like a bunch of athletes are going to get dinged and it's going to screw up the whole Toronto sports landscape. Or not Toronto, like Canada sports landscape in terms of – Yeah, because that has the precedent to completely change that for sure. Yeah, yeah. So apparently they're fighting it and – um. Hopefully it works out because if not, that will screw every Canadian franchise ever. So good luck, uh, especially in Gary Bettman's NHL for a Canadian team to ever win the Stanley Cup. Well, yeah, I mean we know we all know how much he wants that. So I can't wait for that guy to re- retire or croak or something. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah, so we'll see. We'll see how that off season goes. I think there's we have so many um, nice one year deals. Klingberg's up, Matt Murray's up, um, which I don't know if you heard the news. He apparently he's been practicing. Oh, I heard the news. So, um, who knows? Maybe he makes a return and uh, comes back and is our Stanley Cup winning goalie in the finals and. Uh, I'm just waiting for the Chris Johnson tweet where he's saying, oh, he looks good in practice. Just you wait. I don't think Matt Burns looked good. Physically looked good ever. That guy looks like he smokes 20 packs a day. And uh... <laughs> I mean, that one picture, I know the exact picture that you're thinking of. Yeah. That one is a terrible photo of him, but yeah. I can admit. As uh, even as a known Matt Murray, uh, I wouldn't even say hater because I do want to see him succeed given uh, everything that he's kind of run into his life um, or in his life. Um, but yeah, I I just don't see it. I wonder maybe he'll go back to Ottawa, sign like a sweetheart deal, and help your goaltending. Please no, just stay <laughs> away, stay away. I actually, I, I don't know where he would go in terms of a, a career after this one. Um, this I've, Unless he can resurrect it, and I don't even know if there's a spot out there somewhere for him. I mean, he's made uh, 
some good money over his career. Let's just see what uh, good old Matt Murray's career earnings are. I'm not trying to count anybody else's money, but you know, Ooh, let me, let he's me made. Uh, I'm gonna guess. Let me guess. Uh, sure. I'm gonna go thirty-eight million. Wow. That is uh, that is pretty darn impressive. Thirty-nine oh two five. So close. I just figured it was like I'm like Ottawa deal was like six mil for. I, mean, they probably I think had, it was a six by five. Yeah, it was like six mil over five years. It put you at thirty, and then. Uh, what am I doing? Here? I can look this up. <clears throat> uh, his deal with Ottawa was. Ten million. Uh, or no, sorry, it was a five by five, twenty-five million. Yeah. Because yeah. Uh, yeah, the Leafs are paying him fifteen, and the Sens paid him ten. Woof. <laughs> well, that could be. Uh, that's the other thing I, I was kind of joking about online with today is that. Everybody, obviously, with Wall coming back was like, oh, what does that mean for Martin Jones? But with the uncertainty of a high ankle sprain, you don't know if you can, um, uh, if he can fully get back to it or, or how long it'll hold up until it gets hurt. I, I hope that they ease them back in terms of rehab and recovery, that it's stronger than ever. Um, but if you had to let Jones go, realistically if Matt Murray could play and like let's say Wool got hurt again you could run theoretically come playoff time Samson off Matt Murray once the cap is currently you definitely even. could yeah just I don't know like, if that's a route that you want to go down but yeah well the, the your other option is like Keith Petrozelli or Dennis Hildeby um <laughs> right like just guys who are just probably not ready for the NHL I don't I don't think Petrozelli ever would be, but Hilda B is a prospect, and he's like, I don't think he's there yet. So that's where yeah, I, I'm just I taking can... a look at the uh, the list of uh, upcoming UFA goalies, and not a lot to pick from. I mean, names that are jumping off the page right now. Obviously, we talked about Samsonov, uh, Mark Andre Fleury's on there, Pavel Francouz, uh, Casey DeSmith, Laurent Brassois, Phoenix Copley, but that is about it. I mean, I think a, a sneaky pickup could be Anthony Stolarz out of Florida. He's been pretty awesome when uh, when Bobrovsky's been having a night off, which, I mean, given the way he's been playing, I don't know how many nights off you want to give that guy because he's been an absolute stud this year. Um, but, yeah, in terms of the crop of, uh, of NHL UFA goalies that are going to be upcoming in the next season, there's not too much to pick from. And then just flipping over to RFAs, I mean, the big one there is uh, is Jeremy Swayman, but I don't see the, the Bruins giving that guy up for pretty much anything right now. I think if it if it came down to the Bruins picking between Swayman or Allmark, I think he got to go Swayman. Well, the and when you say that too, I think um, I think it was thirty two thoughts uh, with Merrick had it where. Ultimately, their strength is goaltending, but their strength, it's more than a strength. It's a luxury at this point to have Leeds, yeah. Allmark, and Swayman that um, if they need somebody to trade for, um, 
like a center or something of the nature that Allmark would be that piece that that is gone and Swayman's the one that stays. Um, yeah, because you're not going to be alternating goalies in the playoffs. Like you're going to have your guy. So why not take a guy who's going to be sitting on the bench, ideally a hundred percent of the time, and turn him into an asset that's going to be able to help you, whether it's additional uh, scoring options on on the forward side of things, or maybe you just add another shutdown guy uh, on the defensive end. Like there's so much you could do with. Uh, with a guy like Allmark, if you were to go down that road and, and explore some trade options for him, sounds like a like an Allmark for Corpusalo, Tarasenko, uh, and uh, plus, Jacob, plus 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 plus, <laughs> and like Jacob Chikrin, help them help help uh, Boston on D, move on from Chikrin. He's only a got a Jacob Chikrin, Charlie McAvoy line. That right. sounds all right. So they get that. They get <laughs> Boston. Do you want their uh, Josh Norris uh, full cap hit, eight million dollars, and can't afford that guy. You could ultimately, especially as a second line center, you could easily, I feel like, find a second line center. I'm not sure what comes up in terms of uh, available players, but you need a goalie, and there they've got a another goalie. I I wonder is is why not. And I kind of like him out of Calgary is is Dan Vladar because they have Mark, he's great. They have Markstrom and they have Dustin Wolf in the wing waiting to go. But it sounds like they want to move on from Markstrom. Obviously, he's the the higher cap hit, which he's been better. But I like I think the only way Ottawa is going to potentially solve the, what's a, what's a buyout on Corpusala look like? Uh I I've gone down this road. Um, I I'm not I'm not happy to admit it. Um, but yeah, Corpusala buyout situation isn't nearly as bad as uh, as one might expect. So uh, buyout would pretty much mean that he would be uh, the buyout cost would be one and a third million from 2024-25 all the way out to 2031-32. Um, so that is, let's see here, nine seasons at one point three 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 million per. Um, so if that's if you think Corpusalo is the boat anchor that he has shown to be this year, um, I think there's no doubt that you uh, you take a look at exploring that um, and maybe maybe even consider actually going through and buying him out. Yeah, because I'm just uh, I, as we were talking, I, I pull it up here. So the cap hit actually would be next year is only th- just over 300 grand then it's uh 800 then it's one eight then it's two three and then it's one three for then then the remaining four so it's eight years altogether yeah so it's it's actually something that with the cap hit is going to take a jump i feel like very soon it didn't take it this year but it apparently it's probably probably due for a big jump next um, next go around. If like unless you can hide him behind defense, it's funny too because Corpusalo felt like one of those guys where it's like he could have been something, uh, and I remember him with Columbus being a lot better than than this. Um, it's just a shame, but that's a deal you have to get out from under, and unless you could trade him away and. and 
similar to how you guys did with the Matt Murray contract, is like eat a mill for like for the next three se or no, you signed him four four by four, right? Yeah. Uh no. Four by no, four. No, 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 no. It was four by five. It was uh it was more than that. Uh four by four. I think it's four by five here. That I have four by so five year four million per yeah so it's you've got four more years left you eat a million from it trade them with a then you got to get rid of another first it's exactly. Matt all over. It's and Matt i mean Murray all over again we're looking at some pretty empty cupboards in terms of uh the prospect pool in ottawa i mean we've been saying for years about all the prospects that they've got they're in the AHL and the NHL now, so it's not like you got got guys waiting in the wing, uh, ready to go. I mean, we've already lost one draft pick. Are we really going to start giving up more and refusing to kind of restock that prospect pool? I think I don't think that's something that you can even really entertain at this point because mm -hmm. just given everything that's been going on with draft picks and prospects, it's interesting too, right? You've got a new GM and Steos has taken over as GM, or is he going to hire someone? Uh, so he has taken over as GM. I don't know if uh, if they're still looking at hiring somebody, but yeah, as of right now, Steos is uh, president of Hockey Ops and GM. Okay, because if you're going to hire a GM, you can't really do it at this point in the season. You probably wait till after to talk to the respectful candidates. But um, in terms of how it's going to be, it's been because it's been interesting. You have you know we switch from Dubis to Tree Living here. And for us, it's been more so a mindset of, um, oh, we think this trade is going to go this manner. And it's like, whoa, 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 whoa. We have a new GM here. If we think all of a sudden that a GM is going to be, um, this GM is going to process trades or find players the same way as the old, old regime did. So, you know, you dealt with Dorian before being like, okay, yeah, we'll trade Matt Murray to Toronto. Um, and throw in a pick uh, to offload that contract. That might not be obviously how Steos goes about business. They could be more aligned with doing buyouts, right? Obviously, new owner too with Ann Lauer could be a totally different situation. So that's something that'll be interesting to see is is how do they approach the hockey ops um, on team development and team structure. Yeah, definitely going to be something to watch. I mean. In terms of any shakeup from a hockey ops department standpoint, I think you're going to be seeing any of that probably within the off season. I think Ann Lauer is probably done with trying to tinker around with stuff as the season progresses. So um, I think that's definitely something that we'll end up seeing kind of come summertime. Mm -hmm. Well, I think um, I think we've done. A I'm just being uh, cognizant of time here. We've, uh, uh, I think we've done a good job in terms of covering off, obviously, both our teams, how they've been um, this year to date, uh, a few things in terms of trade deadline around the corner and, and some off-season stuff. Um, is there anything you want to touch on in terms of things around the league, do a quick little uh, Stanley Cup prediction, anything along that nature in terms of, things you've liked this past week let's do it let's do a, a weekly quick let's do a quick five minute weekly league re recap what, what do you think 
Yeah, I think um, I'll probably go with the one thing that uh, that I've been kind of having conversations about with respect to things that have happened in the last week in the NHL. And I want to get your thoughts on uh, Matt Rempe of the uh, of the New York Rangers. What do you think about that kind of awesome debut at MetLife, getting to do the rookie lap in front of 70,000 people, drop the gloves with Matt Martin a second into the game, and then you follow it up with two more games after that where you're getting in fights in every single game. Like, what do you think about the rookie coming in and kind of blowing the doors off of the place and, and making a statement for himself? You know, it's so it's there's a few things. So a few things run through my head, and I'll be quickly on them. One, it feels like old-time hockey. Like, here's oh, yeah. this guy here's this guy coming through the gauntlet being like, I'm taking on every team's heavyweight. I do not – it's uh, – what is it, like uh, – Galat from uh yeah Doug Glatt yeah from the goo where he's just going around and just fighting um everyone it's it's one of those things it, it kind of feels weird though because it just feels like a, a spectacle because it's like we want to take out head hitting and and fighting and it's like thing but it's like meanwhile this guy's like I'm here to show up to every arena and I'm here to fight everybody and the fans are loving it like I don't understand why there's uh there's a great quote in uh in 32 thoughts that Jeff Merrick references pretty consistently where it's like we have to do something about hockey in the NHL otherwise we're going to have to build bigger arenas cuz people love it they want to watch that stuff mhm and it's it's like a weird barbaric nature in humans um but the other thing with it that I will be excited for is the New York Rangers will face the Toronto Maple Leafs, I believe, within the next couple days. Oh, so yeah. you want to take on a heavyweight. Oh. Here comes Ryan Reeves. Who here actually, we go. Here we go. And also, too, we brought in Ryan Reeves to fight people, to be that enforcer, and, and, and to do that. We've got, you know, we, we had the Wayne Simmons. We had the Kyle Clifford. We have the league's heavyweight in Ryan Reeves. Matt Rempe, in his week of hockey, has fought more times than Ryan Reeves in this NHL season. And fought some big boys. Oh, yeah. Like, oh. number one, you have Matt Martin, who, I mean, he was on the Leafs for a while. We saw what he can do with his fists. Mm-hmm. Nick Delorier is probably, in my opinion, one of the league's toughest guys. He's not huge in stature, but that guy throws absolute bombs. Yeah. And then uh, the last fight that he had, I believe that one was last night again against Matthew Olivier. That guy's a bowling ball too. Mm-hmm. Um, that was a great fight. I mean, he didn't end up looking so great at the end of it. Uh, Olivier got the takedown, but he, you can tell he's just not scared of anybody who's going to challenge him. And he's like, yeah, if you want to go like, he found his opportunity into that Rangers lineup once Wheeler came out, so he's definitely making the most of it, and I think he's giving Chris Drury and uh, and the coaching staff there a lot to think about as far as what happens when uh, when they need to make a, a move at the with the roster or anything like that. Like, Are you taking a guy like that out of the roster? I don't think you can. Mm-hmm. And I think also, too, there's um, uh, I think there's a, a fight, though, back with Belleville that I saw circulating on... Um... I think this was a year ago or something with a with a Sens prospect. Oh, uh, awesome shot! That was in the dub. Uh, that was when oh, Rempe was, okay. was playing for. Uh, I want to say the Seattle Thunderbirds and. Um, awesome Chuck would have been with the Vancouver Giants at the time, and yeah, he got filled. <laughs> um, 
I think I think it's one of those things that would be interesting, like, um, to see what they do with the kid. Like, are they are they going to keep him up in terms of a spectacle? Because it's like, okay, sure, you can fight, but can you play hockey at the same time? Like, I don't know too much about his. I don't know too much about his hockey career. Hockey career, but maybe he's got a tuck. So, oh, does he already? Oh, nice. Yeah, okay. that that okay. was the whole thing with like the big week was he had those three fights and a goal. I mean, it wasn't a pretty goal, um, mm. but I mean, they don't ask how they ask ask how many. Right, right. No, hundred percent. Totally respect that. Well, hey, if he's if he's gonna bring with any like six eight man, that's he's a he's a big boy. He's a big boy. Yeah, when I saw how he looked against Matt Martin, I was like, who the hell is this kid? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's um. So I'll bring, I'll bring then my around the league question to you. Um, we're getting close to the end of the season. Um. I'll ask you then this: What's your what's your Stanley Cup prediction from what you've seen okay. in the season? What's your favorite? What's your favorite? What's your award winner in terms of the heart? There's a big conversation right now, and from our side too, we have a we have a horse yep. in the race here. What's your thought in terms of the heart? So let, let's let's hit those two. So let's go Stanley Cup and then and then awards in terms of all the right heart. Stanley Cup for me. Um, I mean, when you look at Eastern Conference versus Western Conference. I think it's. I think the West has uh, has the East beat in terms of just strength of everybody from kind of one to eight in terms of the playoff seating there. Um, but kind of with that in mind, I think I'm going to go with the Bruins as far as who I think is going to actually end up winning the Cup this year. I think the West is going to be such a bloodbath that whoever ends up getting to that. Uh, that Stanley Cup final is going to be just so beaten down. It's basically just going to be kind of the reverse of what we saw in uh, in the Stanley Cup last year where Florida just went in against a Vegas team and they were just – Matthew Kachuk had a broken sternum. I mean, Ekblad was playing on one leg. Montour was barely hanging on. And, I mean, you saw what Vegas was able to do with them. I think it's going to be another case of one of those where a team is coming into the Cup final – Boston's off of a uh, a really disappointing year last year where I think they've got the veteran leadership and experience to to kind of be able to use that as fuel going into this year and kind of understand what the opportunity is before them where you don't get too many uh, goes at it in terms of being in the playoffs and making a run for the cup. So I think a loss like you saw last year is really just going to kind of galvanize that group and make sure that they take this one a lot more seriously. So I think... I mean, we saw what Boston did in the regular season last year. If they're going to be coming into playoffs kind of even more ready to go, that could be a pretty dangerous prospect for kind of everybody who's going to be running up against them in the playoffs. So I'm going to go with Boston as far as my Stanley Cup pick. What about you? Um, Homer pick. Leafs are going to do it. It's always our year, right? Right. I can't, I can't even blame that. Parade's going down Bay Street, and then we'll go – <laughs> no yeah um, so it's gonna take a left on you on what do you think college I, I think i think what we're gonna do is we'll just get like the goodyear blimp and just okay. we'll consistently fly everywhere and we'll just the parade is everywhere yeah we deserve it it's been since 19 <laughs> well we saw what that raptors parade looked like i mean there's gonna yeah. be people in the street from kingston to probably like Probably even like Hamilton or like London Kitchener. Like there is going to be just a sea of people if that ever does end up happening. 
Let's put it this way. The DVP shuts down for a bike race. The DVP will shut down for the Leaf Stanley Cup parade. Yes, absolutely. Um, I I think from an actual standpoint, um, it's funny you say Boston because it's it like Boston's always Boston, but like no Krejci, no um, no uh, Bergeron this year. And it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter, but somebody pointed out today that they haven't had like a regulation win in the last like eight games, and they've been they've been oh, sputtering wow. of late. Um, okay. So they've had a little bit of issues. We've seen now Florida leapfrog them in terms of the East standings. A team like Colorado always scares me um, in terms of just their overall team. They, I think they. The rumor around is they need depth scoring. I don't think Gorgia thinks. I, I would honestly not be surprised, especially with now Mark Stone's injury. I'm doing air quotes for the people who can't hear me or can't see me. But, um, you know, that worries me in terms of, oh, well, here comes Vegas with now $8 million cap space. Who now add thing? And sure, is it a ruptured spleen? Yes. Is it serious? Yes. Is it vague on the timeline? Also, yes. So is it also going to be like, hey, technically he's ready in eight weeks. But you know what? What's an extra like four weeks just keeping him on the sideline? Take some time. Take some yeah, Take some time. Go to the strip. Enjoy some time with your What's family. the rush? Right? So that's where it's like, for me, it's Vegas is scary. Man, that defense, Aiden Hill, Logan Thomas. It's just four the, lines of just torture. Like, I, I, we played them, and, and sure, we beat them, and, and they had four um, Silver Knights in the lineup. But that defensive court was like, so Nick Hag, uh, Petrangelo, Martin. Like, I'm like, oh my, it's like. Their third line could be a, a first line on majority of teams in the NHL. Yeah. Easily. Shea Theodore was just galloping in that game against Ottawa. Like, I completely – honestly, I forgot about that guy. He was out for, with injury for a while, but just the fact that they were able to fleece him from Florida in that expansion draft, it's just like – Yeah. The way that they were able to finesse that draft, it makes me sick. And then it completely screwed it over for Seattle because every team <laughs> learned the system and we're like, we're not making those trades. We're not giving yeah. you Riley Smith and letting you pick a prospect. That I mean, I think Seattle Seattle looks all right, especially when I consider what uh, Ottawa could potentially look like if they had a goalie like Joey Decord still. But I'll uh, I'll leave that one alone. You know what's funny? I was looking at them. Is they have Joey Decord, Grubauer, and Chris Drieger. And Chris yep. Drieger is playing in the AHL and has like a stellar AHL stats, has played I think two games with the um with Seattle and has like a like still good stats. Like he's it's like why aren't you in the NHL? Obviously he's fighting for a spot against Grubauer and uh, and that, but if Seattle's looking to move off a guy, that could be someone who could be um a potential is like you don't need to carry three goalies, especially of this caliber. Um, yeah, especially this year too, because Drigger's going to be at UFA at the end of the year. So that definitely is an option for if somebody's looking for a goalie. I mean, Seattle's already out of the playoff picture right now. Mm -hmm. um, maybe that's somebody that you look at potentially moving. Mm -hmm. So just uh, going back, so you're. Um... So I answered the Stanley Cup. We did not discuss, or you did not give me your heart. We didn't do MVP, no. So uh, heart for me 
I know where you're going to be going with this one, so I'll probably uh, I'll probably stay off that. So I'm going to go. Uh, no, give, give me give me your give me your give me your actual answer. What what is your thought? My actual answer. Uh, my actual answer is is going to be Kucherov. I mean, he's he's been so good. He's already hit 100 points. Um, Tampa has not looked like the team that they typically look like, and he's just flying under the radar. Um, he had a four point night the other night. I saw a stat where he now has more three point games this season than zero point games. So, I mean, he's coming to the rink to play every night. Um, he's a guy that I think, like I said, flies under the radar in Tampa, especially this year with given the fact that they haven't looked nearly as strong as they have in years past. Um, so I think for me, that's just such a solid pick. I mean, Realistically, with any of the guys that are in the conversation between Matthews, McDavid, or Matthews, McKinnon, and uh, and Kucherov, there's really no bad pick. It's more just about what are you valuing game in, game out. Right, right. Yeah. Realistically, at the end of the day, that's totally fair. Um, you do look at Tampa, and you see how they've had to strip it back in terms of their team. Um, Stamkos, I think, has not been performing to where he uh, is usually at. Um, even Vasilevsky in certain cases hasn't looked like the Vasilevsky that we know the um Definitely. the back to back Vesna went like it's just it, it's they've looked a little more normal so you wonder hey if we reduced Kucherov's production here are this is this team even a playoff team yeah um, right and so they are still holding on to that last wild card spot so we'll see how it goes uh with them in terms of the full season uh, and they're not far behind Toronto. I think Toronto still has games in hand on them. But, yeah, like, it, it's totally a fair point. Um, obviously, with me, like, so they, um, Jonas Siegel released it today in terms of, if you then look at primary points, because it, somebody brought up the point where it's like, it's interesting that hockey's the only one that cares about secondary assists. Like, the person who yeah. passed, like, you look at the NBA, they don't care who passed the ball to pass the ball to score. Right? No. It's... Um, so when you look at that, it's like Kucherov has 71 primary points and then the next is Matthews with 68. And obviously we know he has 52 goals of that 68, which is insane. The, the crazy thing, and I just saw a bet of it, bet for it today. It's plus 4,000 if Austin Matthews scores 60 goals in 60 games played, um, which, wow. which the caveat is quite a little heater. The caveat is 50 and 50, and he's at 52 and 56. So he'd have to, have to put up eight goals in four games, which it's not out of the realm for him. Like it, it, It's not like it's completely impossible, but it's it would be a task. Um, no, and I don't think there's ever been a 70-goal scorer who hasn't won the heart in the NHL. So, I mean, I think there's no doubt that he ends up getting over 70. So... I don't know. It's pretty hard to not give it to him just based on that alone. And I think too, like you look at it's man. I, I hope that as a Leaf fan, one, he stays with the Leafs and two, that that player keeps up that production because we're looking, we're watching right now where we're watching uh, Ovechkin chase Gretzky down the, probably the only like all time record that was actually achievable to break is Gretzky's goal record, right? Nobody's ever going to hit points. Nobody's ever going to no. do assists. It's it's impossible. It's never going to happen. Um, obviously, never say never, but um, to see then Matthews go, okay, well, technically he's now outpacing Ovechkin in terms of his goal production, so could he do it? And then 
then it begs the question. If he stays healthy, I don't think there's any question that he does it. Yeah. And then you look at the the other flip side, like Chris Chelios just obviously retired uh, his jersey the other night and stuff like that. He just said to Patrick Kane, like, that's the greatest U.S.-born hockey player ever to live. And obviously he's won some cups and stuff like that. But all of a sudden now, Austin Matthews goes and scores, is the all-time goal scorer of all time. And who knows what else he does in the career. I probably, I think, honestly, as a little hurt Leafs fan, there's a better chance of probably... I feel like <laughs> this sounds a little negative, but I feel like there's a better chance of Toronto sprouting a second team like New York and that team winning the cup before the Toronto Maple Leafs win the cup. Because I feel like they're just, they'll never get it. It's just, I get my hopes up. Anyways, but I think Matthews is just something special. And just to be able to produce this many goals is just, it's ridiculous. It's fun to watch. Yeah, it's absurd. Like, I think back to when I think of Austin Matthews' scoring ability, there was a goal, I believe it was against Buffalo, where he's coming down the half wall and he just spins and fires a puck from the sidewall that just goes perfect right through Devin Levi's legs and everybody's looking at it going like, oh, that's a goal that Levi should have had seeing it coming from the, from the sidewall or whatever. And I'm looking at it going like, that is a perfect shot that – if like unless you're expecting it, which you should be, because Matthews can score from literally anywhere on the ice, you're not stopping that. It's crazy. Mm-hmm. It's interesting too when I when I watch the broadcast, I I always get intrigued by the um, shot speed and the shot speed of players. Is he mm-hmm. typically only caps out at around eighty eight, maybe eighty nine miles per hour? It's not really that fast. And then I'll see like, oh, here comes Travis Hamonic. And then he rips a slap shot. It's like 96. And I look like, I just watched Matthews rip a slap shot. It was like 88. I'm like, yeah, I'm like, it's just, it's so pinpoint accurate. And it's just knowing that place, knowing where the goalie is, knowing where he's going to move and, and just creating that, that optimal, um, and, and capitalizing on that optimal chance. Yeah. And just the way that he's able to release it, the accuracy that he has, it's like, you don't need, an absolute laser to be putting pucks in the net. You just need to be able to pick your spots and, uh, and get it off quick, use a little bit of deception with your blade. And I mean, we see what, what Bedard's doing with the way that he's moving his hands and kind of getting in different angles. Like it's completely changing the way that people are playing and the way that goalies have to react to the puck. So it's going to be, uh, it's going to be fun to watch. Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. Um, all right. So just, being cognizant of time like like before we're uh um i say let's we'll, we'll call this episode um thank you everyone for uh for listening uh i don't think anyone joined us on twitch this evening we got no questions but um to the, listeners right. out, uh, to the listeners out there hit us up on twitter at the battle of ontario um our handle will be the battle of on um short for ontario hit us up hit up Hit us up with questions. We'll announce when we're recording podcasts, um, or jump on Twitch and join the chat if you uh, hear something that we're saying and and you want to put your two cents worth. We we're totally open to listen to it and talk about it. Um, uh, other than that, um, Andre, if you got anything else, we'll uh, we'll close it off. Nope, that's it for me. Um, yeah, definitely. Uh... Didn't get any this time, but definitely appreciate any listeners that are going to be hopping on and uh, and seeing what we have to say maybe uh, maybe in the future here going forward. So yeah, use that chat function and uh, 
And like Garth Brooks says, let's keep the conversation going. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. Thanks. Uh, we'll, uh, we'll catch you guys next week. Bye. All right. See you later, guys.